DJ Poppy, semi in the MC, Drake, tech on the beat, let's go, y'all. Northwest and let's go, check it out, y'all. Hey, hey, I said, they think Ray Berlin, man, aka NGL. His show is the truth, like NGL. That means he's not gonna lie, and he's clever when he speaks. Plus, he runs unplugged, that's the editor in chief. Special guests on this show have gotten exposure. Discuss the sports, music, and popular culture. Streetwear, and don't forget the entrepreneurs, cause when it comes to interviewers, man, it's due to the future. Always keeping it current with the old and with the new. Make sure you tune into the GL Review. The GL Welcome back to the GL Review. Now, shout out to freestyling legend Sam I Am, the MC, for that awesome theme along with the one he made for our Hot Take show. If you haven't checked that out yet, well, what are you waiting for? Log on to YouTube and search The Hot Take Show. Our second episode should pop right up, where Peter Warren argues why chess is a sport against Ben Kerwin, who believes the letter C should be taken out of the alphabet. But I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm your host, Nathan Graber-Lipperman, CEO of Powdered Blue Media and creator of Unplugged. If you're new to this show, I welcome on guests and panelists from our team to review what's going on in sports and culture, along with some deep dives into some other passions of mine, such as entrepreneurship, sneakers, and ultimate frisbee, of course. Today, I'm bringing you a true friend of the pod, Jeremy Larkin, the former Northwestern running back, shared some insight on his path to Northwestern, his time under Justin Jackson's wing, and answered some downright silly questions of mine. Look, we had a lot of fun preparing and recording this podcast. I'm sure you'll love Jeremy's infectious personality just as much as I do. And that's why I'm so excited to announce that he'll be launching a podcast with us. It's going to be centered around the student-athlete lifestyle. We talked about it a little bit on this episode, but there will be a lot more information coming out in the near future, including the name, format, guests, everything in between. Also, at the end of the show, Unplugged editor Cameron Peters came on to talk. Some Game of Thrones. Dun, 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 dun. Sorry, it's just been perennially stuck in my head the last several weeks. Anyway, amidst all the internet hate surrounding Got, we shed some thoughts on why we honestly have liked what Benioff and Weiss have been doing with the show. It's really an unpopular opinion nowadays, but hey, some of us actually like to, you know, like things. Is, is that such a novel concept? I don't know. Maybe I'm hating on the haters now, but yeah, before we get into it, you can check out some of our other Game of Thrones content over at Unplugged. As always, we got a lot of awesome content in the works. I'm actually writing an article titled In Defense of Benioff and Weiss. You can expect that by the end of the week. Along with a feature story on the BYU Frisbee team. Now, I talked to their coach and some players about a controversy surrounding them. As they finished the season ranked in the top 10, yet over the last couple of years, they've had these great finishes, but they're barred from competing at the national championships due to their school's policy that doesn't allow them to play on Sundays. Fascinating story on that end. Excited to share it. Also, Sam Baldwin wrote a piece on the Met Gala, which should be coming out soon. Can't wait to read that one as well. After that, we're launching a podcast focused on the intersection of fashion and tech. Another friend of the podcast, Ashton Keys, the monthly 96 podcast will consist of a panel discussion on the latest topics in streetwear and fashion, before Ashton sits down with influencers in the industry to get their thoughts on subjects. All kind of TBA. But look, it's an exciting time. It always is. And to keep up with everything we're doing at Unplugged, you can follow us on Twitter at Unplugged. That's U-N-P-L-U-G-G underscore D. You can follow me on Twitter at by Nate GL. And hey, that's enough talking. Let's get right into it. 
Here's Jeremy Larkin. I'm here with Jeremy Larkin, former starting running back for the Northwestern Wildcats football team, now in a coaching slash mentor position. Jeremy, how you doing? I'm doing great. You know, how are you? Yeah, I, you know what? It's been a busy day, as it yeah. always is. Was just coming from sunny Durham, North Carolina to Ooh. this. It's Ooh. like 40s, and it's May. Can't believe you weren't in Chapel Hill. That's all I have to say. Big big UNC fan? Big UNC guy. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll have my brother know that, but yeah. no, I, I don't know. We can we can talk about the weather for days. I just don't get how it's 40s and it's May. Anyway. Um, Welcome to Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> we're, here, we're here to talk about Jeremy's path to this point, some other projects we have in the works, and everything in between. But I mean, just to start off, look, you're a big Cincy guy, right? Huge Cincy guy. Love the 513. Huge Cincy guy. The name Larkin, it carries a lot of weight there, right? Because mm. whenever I bring it up to people that you're from Cincy, they're like, oh, Barry Larkin, yeah. is he related? Yeah, literally growing up, that's all I heard. Yeah. Like when I tell people my name, they go, Larkin, are you related to the Barry Larkins mm-hmm. or, or like the Larkin family? And they're asking, hey, like, what's your relation? Is this your dad? Is this your uncle? I'm like, no, this is my dad's second cousin. So really? However you want to relate that, sure. But I mean, yeah, no, he was a part of the Reds, obviously in Cincinnati huge reds fan so like i i understand it i go to reds game i see my name all the time it's always funny when i go with the family we we kind of see if we can point out like all the different jerseys that are ours mm-hmm. yeah and you said you had a story about uh in terms of being a big reds fan mm-hmm. what was your tweet story that like oh oh yeah so every year that i follow this account by the reds that's did mm-hmm. the reds win every first one it's either yes or no so if they say yes i quote tweeted and say this is the year okay i've Mm -hmm. done it probably for the last four or five years because one of these days i'm going to be right and everyone's going to have to go back to that tweet and i'm going to say i called it see because if you're wrong no one cares exactly if i'm wrong no one cares at all but if you're right that's everything exactly (laughs) did they win the first game of the season this year they won the first game of the season this year, and it was a great time i got the experience opening day down on the banks okay uh, with my brother so it was very fun and then they went on the five-game losing streak. <laughs> but then they won, like, four more games, and then they started losing. But So how, how are you feeling about their chances, though? You know what? It's, it's a long season. It's a long <laughs> season. I'm not counting them out just yet. I love my red legs. Yeah, yeah. keep telling yourself that. No. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, just looking at your time in Cincy, I mean, I think I read that you started playing football when you were five, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, growing up, what were your favorite sports? Uh, growing up, I would have to say, shoot, favorite sport i started playing basketball at three-ish four-ish same mm-hmm. as soccer uh t-ball baseball and then football at five so yeah I st- started real early and then played three sports all the way up to about junior high then finally mm-hmm. had to let one go and then just played basketball and football the rest of my time what sports didn't you play <laughs> um actually though <laughs> yeah no because <laughs> i remember i played a little tennis and i was on a tennis team okay. and, a, and a swim team how was your serve uh, I don't know. I was like a kid. <laughs> I was a kid. Um, I don't know. I love bowling. So yeah. Ooh. I'm a big golfer. Bowling. Getting into golf a lot lately. So yeah. To tell you to be honest, I don't know. It's very just everything. Quidditch. Quidditch maybe. Quidditch. Yeah. <laughs> chess. Didn't like that sport. You know, Is chess a sport? I don't know. That's a hot take. <laughs> you already know. Did you watch the second episode of the Hot Take Show? I did. I did. How'd you like it? Yeah. It was um. When they started talking about the letters, not yeah. gonna lie, I got a little confused. You know, <laughs> I'm a little dyslexic, so the C okay. and the K argument. Yeah, I don't know. Who it's do you think much. won, though? Hmm? Who do you think won? I don't know. I 
I don't know. They both had really, really strong arguments. So All right. Yeah. Tough for me to say. You could have made someone really happy and really upset. Now, <laughs> but I guess, you know, take the uh, middle ground. Yeah, That's take always the a good ground, thing. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so you get to LaSalle. You're playing basketball and football. Obviously, go mm. the football route. Mm. Look, you've brought it up a lot as we've been talking about this for a while now. High School Harry. Can you explain yeah. High School Harry to me really quick before we get into deep dive into LaSalle? Uh, yeah, no, it's just kind of like when you're highly recruited, not highly recruited, but you're really good in high school and on our football team, we kind of like to joke like, oh, that's a high school Harry kid just because he's really good. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be good in high or in college. Because if you come to college talking about what you did in high school, like, dude, everyone's good in college. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Same yeah. thing when you go in the professionals. You don't talk about what you did in college because it doesn't matter. Everyone's the best of the best. So, yeah. It's the equivalent of weird flexing, right? It's Yes, I guess, yes. It is an equivalent to a weird flex, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, just looking at LaSalle, what's, mm. what's your, how do you high school Harry? What, what is there to brag about? Um, I guess it would be <laughs> the amount of school records that I hold at LaSalle. Okay. Yeah. That's where you insert like the high school Harry oh, sound. Oh yeah, or high right? school Harry or something yeah. like that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, like I said, it's about the, the amount of records. I actually was telling someone about this. Not to brag about <laughs> high school, but just to prove a point that I was somewhat decent in high school. And yeah. he goes, I was like, I have all the school records. I don't have all the school records, but I have 22 of them. And he goes, there's mm-hmm. no way. But yes, I have 22 school records. So that's what would be my weird flex. That's where we have the stats team. Yeah. Check you can, that. You can check it if you want. 22? Yeah, 22. All right. 19 well, football, three basketball. We'll call you out on Twitter if that's yeah. not right. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. But um, yeah, this is something we were just talking about recently, and I just thought mm. about it. You said one of your main things you wanted to do in high school was be named Mr. Ohio, right? Yes. Yes. So how does this I wouldn't say it was a main thing, okay. but it was like it was a it was a cool thing at the time of Johnny football. So yeah, like right. Mr. Football would have been cool, but yeah. At the end of the day, I think winning state championships would have been a lot better. That's fair. So it was like number three, not number two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how does the scope of your football career change if you win Mr. Ohio back in high school? Change your name to Jeremy Football? Um, it definitely changes a little bit. You know, Twitter's <laughs> a big thing. Um, I would have loved to name myself Jeremy Football after, you know, Johnny Menzel. I think going into the basketball season, you would have seen me flexing a lot of money signs. So right. I think that would have been fun. But at the end of the day, I think at the uh, ultimate goal of what we were trying to accomplish in those years was winning state championships. I'll take those over those awards. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Okay, so – did you did you know throughout this whole process though? Did you know you wanted to play football in high school? How how important was basketball to you? Yeah, um, it was important going into it, but I knew that my better chances with me being five nine that mm-hmm. I probably wasn't going to be a very <laughs> successful basketball player, and I couldn't dribble with my left hand. But that's beside really? the point. But no, yeah, going into high school, I mean, basketball was a huge part of it. I was a four year starter, uh, and the coach high school like, Harry, yeah, what? high school Harry, yep, there we go. <laughs> But I was a four-year starter with a coach who didn't waste any time getting me involved in the sport. I mean, I remember seventh and eighth grade, I'd be leaving school early to go to open gyms with the team and play with them and literally getting yelled at as if, like, I was a a regular player on the team, okay? Mm -hmm. And that was, like, the only time I was yelled at. Okay, my teammates wouldn't agree that I was yelled at, but when I was seventh and eighth grader, Coach Flynn would yell at me, whereas as I got older, it kind of went away because I kind of knew what I was doing by that Mm -hmm. time. But yeah. So recruiting wise, you yeah. got knocked a little bit throughout the recruiting process uh, due to your size, uh, cashing in at yeah. five nine or five ten. What do you say? <sighs> um, in high school, I was about five 
9 to 11 range, mm-hmm. uh, weighing about 170 to about 185 range. Let's go with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's what the stat book would say. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I was about like – Stats team. Stats team, yeah. No, I was about 5'9 uh, mm-hmm. in high school, weighing about a buck seventy, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but that definitely led to me not being very highly recruited just because of my size. And obviously thankful for Northwestern giving me that opportunity to play in the Big Ten because, I mean – that's that's a risk right there. I mean, right. the first word in the conference is big. <laughs> if you're going to go get a 5'9", 170 running back, yeah. you're kind of going against that. You're putting them at a risk. So I think that was kind of another reason why I wasn't able to play all four years of varsity in football, mm-hmm. even though because I think it was just a smart idea to not put a 15- or 14-year-old kid out there who weighed 150 pounds and yeah, go tell him to run the ball. That would probably be a terrible idea. But they have no problem putting me out there to play special teams. I was a punt returner, mm-hmm. kickoff returner. Um, I remember returning a, a, a football – or a football. <laughs> returning a kick the first play of the game my freshman year and actually stole it. That was that's, – Really? Actually, yeah. Talk about being in the zone. I remember being on the right side of the hash. We're down at Nipper Stadium, too. We're down in UC. And we're on the right hash. The boss kicked. I'm tracking it. I'm tracking it. And I thought I took, like, two steps to my left. In reality, I went from one hash to the other hash, caught the ball, and as I'm running, the other returner, I think it was Jaleel at the time, but he literally goes, I caught that, and I go, my bad. In the middle of the play, we're running, running left, cut back right, end up scoring, like going to score, and I could feel someone on the right side of me. I peek up at the big screen, and there goes like someone, so I just kind of move over a little bit to the <laughs> left. He dives, I trip a little bit, but end up scoring, and mm-hmm. then everyone's going crazy and I'm a freshman kind of going like what the heck just happened like this is ridiculous yeah but yeah no I mean so Northwestern did take that chance on you yes but you're originally committed to Cincinnati right Mm -hmm. your hometown school yeah How, how did that process come about what led you to decommit and was that tough yeah um I think definitely at that time it was just kind of when you're a teenager going through the recruiting process it's a very tough time at that age uh I think the biggest part of me was kind of just sorting through the BS, not necessarily saying UC was feeding me big BS, but playing that hometown hero card was like definitely something that made the decision for me to go there. And it was just the fact of that it would be like big lights. And I, I always say the same to like people, like big lights doesn't mean you'll shine. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then at UC, obviously having, being so close to home, having a fan base there, having family there, that would have been truly amazing. That would have been great. But that's not what I was looking for and knowing who I was for myself personally, knowing myself as like a craftsman mm-hmm. who loves to prepare for things and like completely just perfect the craft. And I just became addicted to like working hard and having the results or for the results that came from working hard. I think UC would have just, it would have taken me off a different course. You know, not to say that there's anything wrong with it, but that mm-hmm. was, you know, how I saw myself. And I always tell people the worst thing that happened to me was winning the state title because that just made me that much hungrier for the next one. So in the summer, I think it was, I just kind of made the decision. I just was looking at the wrong things necessarily. And then, um, yeah, there was that. Uh, and then there's also, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Hey, if you had played football for Cincy, you would have gotten to beat up on UConn every year, which is my hometown team. So, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, but at the, yeah, I'd love it. I mean, that would have been great. It would have been fun. But at the same time, I think it would have not allowed me to grow in the way that I wanted mm-hmm. to. That and out of pure self- selfishness is also another reason why I decommitted. You know, 
in my opinion, I love having the ball in my hands as a running back, and I just love what I can do with it. And when you looked at the time, uh, the coaching style or the offense that was run for UC versus the offense that was run for Northwestern, the running back in UC was probably getting the ball 15 touches a game. Mm-hmm. Whereas you see Justin over here, he's yeah. getting the ball freaking 30 times a game, 25 times the a game. The ball carrier. The ball carrier, literally. <laughs> so I'm thinking, yeah, I want the ball. Why, why, why am I still here? Like, that's kind of where I made the decision. So mm-hmm. it was a selfish decision for me to make, um, obviously, just for me wanting the ball. But I think at the end of the day, it was the best decision. And then – kind of getting here realizing how much like Big Ten hits hurt those 30 carries 35 <laughs> carries a game that's that's something else you got to be built different to play Big Ten football I mean in this conference this is such yeah. an elite level to play at um yeah I learned real fast that those 15 carries might have saved my body a little bit longer mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah um so yeah you do come to Northwestern mm-hmm. this program just clearly on the upswing you got a mainstay and fits you got oh, yeah. a all-time great in Justin Jackson. Mm-hmm. Look, j- just coming in, you redshirted your freshman year. What was the thinking behind that decision? What made you decide that was the best option for you, essentially? Um, I didn't have a decision in that. Just like <laughs> <laughs> it was made for you. It was made for me. I came in here with a very, very, very weak shoulder. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I had torn my labrum sophomore year of high school football, mm-hmm. played on through it. Uh, it would slip in and out during games, and it never really affected me. It would just kind of go out, and it always stayed, and it would go out, and it would come back in like every time. It would always come back in, and it would just be a little tingling, and then it would come back, and then we'll be ready to go. But obviously coming here, going to physical, they saw that I could barely lift up my arm. They're like, yeah, we can't put this kid out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's kind of where the decision to red shirt, and then – Obviously, allowed me to develop my body too to kind of put on those extra pounds that I was missing in high school that I never got the chance to train because of basketball and other things that I was doing. Mm-hmm. So, kind of being redshirted that first year was really great, and it also allowed me to the chance also allowed me the chance to like watch one of the greatest football running backs here in not just Northwestern history but college football history. Mm-hmm. Um, and He's really a true testament to what it means to treat your body as a temple, just from how he took care of himself on a day-to-day basis after the beatings he would take on Saturdays. Like it was, it would be really tough to understand how he was able to get his bodies to go or his body to go from week to week. Like that's the real reason why he's a purple jersey man. Like he just always, just always ready to go on Saturdays, no matter what. Friend of the podcast too. Yeah, friend of the podcast. (laughs) I saw he was on here. No. but yeah with jackson uh, you know it is funny how like we're referring to him as one of the greatest college football running backs of all time and i don't have the exact stat in front of me i think he's like eighth or ninth all time in rushing yards um why don't you think he gets like the the praise and love that we're we're, Mm. you know heaping onto him because it's not that i mean if you know college football you've heard of him but i could definitely think of my friends back home who probably haven't heard of him um it's definitely when he was here, the Northwestern effect a little bit. I mean, we were mm-hmm. kind of on the upward trends, but necessarily, historically speaking, no one necessarily knew about Northwestern until mm-hmm. like we kind of started blowing up, and now we're on this upward trend. So there's that fact of it. And I think when you look at it from an NFL standpoint and the risk assessment, I think it was because of how many beatings he taken uh, has taken over the years because he had had over like a thousand or yeah eleven hundred carries or something ridiculous. So like as a running back who's longevity in the NFL is not very long anyway 
there's you got to look at it from a business standpoint. So I think that's probably one of the reasons why too. Yeah, he's not a big guy in yeah. himself. Uh, yeah, I mean he's. I mean he's bigger than me. Yeah, <laughs> he's bigger. Than I can't me talk. Too, so yeah, <laughs> I think he's got like a couple of inches on me. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, what was it? I mean, just on the topic of Jax, I know we love talking about him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what was it like watching him get drafted and, mm-hmm. you know, stick around his rookie year in the NFL for oh, you? It was great. I mean, love him to death. I was so glad to see him get drafted. But yeah, no, it was great to see him get drafted and obviously play and score his touchdown. He did his little jelly jump. I don't know if anybody noticed. But, oh, yeah. I, I have that photo, you know, framed <laughs> in my wall now. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was definitely good to see him just actually go out there and excel and i remember one week kind of i think the week he scored kind of just touchdown i played him in my fantasy team too <laughs> had no idea what i was doing i was up in my league i knew it was t- towards the end of the year i was like eh, why not he's on my team like i got it i drafted him why not play him they played him and austin carr okay and justin ended up doing really good and getting me some points and it turned out really well so uh yeah he's all-time goat <laughs> but so we talked a lot about your thoughts on Justin as he made the NFL, but what about Justin's thoughts on you? So this is a quote from the Tribune way back when, uh, I think in the fall, kind of after the first couple games of the season, Jackson texted Chicago Tribune reporter Teddy Greenstein, yeah, Lark is special man. From early on, I could see he wanted to be great and was looking for ways to achieve that goal. You can see the competitiveness in his eyes whenever he steps on the field. Overall, great person. I'm really glad to call him a good friend. Yeah. What what would you talk about? What would you say about your guys' relationship and just like some of those thoughts? Yeah, uh, no, obviously we had a great relationship. You know, mm-hmm. going through the years, being a big, big like key part for me making that transition out of the redshirt year into backing him up and then making that transition to being the starter. Um, obviously, he is the goat, but I would like to go on record and say that he got lucky with his touchdown record. Okay. You know, before the news released, I called him up telling him like, hey man, I gotta retire, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And he was like, so sorry, it was like some, so I really just wanted to tell you that you're lucky I don't get to break your touchdown record. <laughs> and he started dying at it. But <laughs> overall, he's a great teammate, great friend. Mm-hmm. And he'll tell us, um, we have so many great stories. He's a part of our Tri-G group chat um, and loves the number 21. Like that's why he wears 21 because of mm-hmm. that group chat right there, but yeah. Oh, it wasn't like an LT inspiration or anything? No, no way at all. I thought that would have been a great, you know, you end up on the Chargers, would have been great. Yeah. Um, He knows what group I'm talking about, too. Yeah. He's listening. (laughs) (laughs) Who would win on a game of one-on-one? You or Justin? Basketball. Really? Yeah. I gotta say me. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) All right. I I mean, I've seen Justin play. No, not gonna lie. He's he's really athletic and very... Uh Explosive. I All right, you're walking throw, it back a little bit. I, see, I seen him throw a two down, or see him throw down a two hand dunk. Okay. But I wouldn't say that he would beat me in basketball. And to be quite frank, I don't know who would beat me on the team. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, according to the ESPN, uh, Ben Skaronic is our best basketball player on the team. So okay. Maybe we can have him set the record straight. We still we still got our game of one on one scheduled. For oh some yeah, time, sure, right? anytime. I'd yeah. love to play. Yeah, I'm. I'm just See, trying to. I'm a little old though. I mean, you got to take it easy. I okay. am retired, so I'm not. Yeah, I just got to put in my calendar somewhere. Uh, when is Jeremy losing in one on one? But um, we'll figure that out. <laughs> I don't know if that date's on the calendar. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just circling back to uh, you know your red shirt freshman year. Yeah. I asked you about you know learning from Jackson, being behind him. What about the other guy, Fitz? What yeah. would you say, you know, coming into Northwestern, hearing some things about Fitz being just a coaching legend here, what what were your general 
first impressions of Fitz and what'd you learn from him your freshman year? Man, um, learned that he was a great guy, uh, just from understanding the type of culture that he built in our locker room with the type of brotherhood that we have with the different teammates and different players. I think that's the biggest thing we have that a lot of other universities don't is that brotherhood and that bondship that we've been able to have through over the years. Um, and it's like lifelong, like it doesn't matter whatever it is. I think my brothers to my right and my left will always be there for me. So that and the fact that, you know, he's always looking out for each and every individual. I mean, obviously with this type of retirement and transition out of sports, you know, they weren't just worried about my next four or five years when I committed here. They were worried about the next 40 to 50 years mm -hmm. and having that type of longevity in life and looking after me, who are not just me as Jeremy Larkin, the football player, but as Jeremy Larkin, the person. So like, mm -hmm. that's another great thing and why I was able to, you know, choose here and love to be under a guy like Fitz. So do you think the program really just like starts at the top with Fitz? Like, has he just implemented that? Uh, himself from the top down because I mean obviously such yeah. a big part of it is what's yeah. our graduation number it's like 99 or something for it's like 99 percent yeah it's like far and away number yeah. one yeah but I don't I don't think it's just it doesn't stop with him at being the top I mean it mm -hmm. goes to Jim Phillips and then it goes right. to Morty Shapiro it goes on and on um, but he's definitely the key part for our team and our organization but if you want to look at the athletic department as a whole I think Northwestern itself has done a really great job with Jim Phillips in having the backing of like Morty on our side and being at sidelines. I've seen him at games, whether it's football or field hockey or soccer. So I think having that overall family support is really good for us. Yeah. Dude's always wearing purple too. Always Morty, wearing that purple. Is. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. And hanging out with Magic Johnson. I don't know. Do you remember that picture? Was that Magic Johnson he was hanging out? Yeah. At the, uh, the Dodgers Red Sox game, right? Oh, he was no, in the box. Yeah, I don't remember that, but yeah, I know what yeah. you're talking about. So that. he's even watching non-Northwestern now. Exactly. Now. Exactly. <laughs> It's going um, against the Big Ten. <laughs> yeah. Um, this was a question. We've been discussing it for a bit. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think there's there's an automatic response here that you have to give, but I have to ask oh, it anyway. Oh, gosh. What are the funny stories from bus number two? Um, yeah, I don't think necessarily I can discuss that. I mean, like I said, what happens on bus two stays on bus two, <laughs> and it's just as simple as that. <laughs> can you explain to the listeners what bus number two is? just bus number two that's, that's pretty much it i don't know what else i can say about it um yeah it's just a great time all right i guess we gotta leave it at that <laughs> but biggest characters on the football team if you could give me like a top three <sighs> biggest characters on the top team uh well on the top three i mean obviously number one when I was a young guy, the mm -hmm. funniest guy I know is AA, which is Austin Anderson, hands down. Okay. Loved him. Like, he's the greatest guy ever. Uh, he's actually really funny. He talks about, like, Hardy's all the time and how good it is or something <laughs> like that. But then you go from. Like, wait, wait, we're talking about, like, the fast food Hardy's, like, Carl's Jr. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, okay. And then um, the next guy, next character would be, like, Flynn. Uh, and he's also known by the D's because of his rapping bars. You know, he's a. Mm hmm character and then i guess with the young guys you'd have to go from like aj ernie like greg newsome those guys are true characters when they're all together okay and just having a great time what what do you have to say about flynn's rapping abilities because i remember you brought this up it was like really low-key right oh it's very low-key i mean it's, it's it's coming soon he's got an album i think he's a country singer too he's got a song out okay i don't know what it's called but yeah is he like a little nas x strain like is it just country is it like country <laughs> rap or like that's something you have to ask the D's. Okay. You know? oh, yeah. <laughs> Chicago's Big Ten football team. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on this? Because this has been, you know, the marketing campaign yeah. by the football team for a while. 
it's kind of been roasted yeah. by honestly, I hear students all the time, but also like mm. people on Twitter and everything. Have you all felt like has that been like a motivation for you all to become, you know, part such such embedded in mm. Chicago as you are Chicago's Big Ten football team? I mean, obviously we're in Evanston, yes, <laughs> but I think that's just you know us being too smart for our own good. Okay, <laughs> at the end of the day, I mean, if you ask someone the common person wouldn't know where Evanston was, like Evanston, Illinois. So, yes, you say Chicago's Big Ten team because that's the closest thing to it. But it's also, like, a great selling point because of how you could, how unique of place this is, being, like, in Chicago as Northwestern. I mean, no other conference's headquarters has a team that's next to them. Like, the SEC is in Alabama, but it's not near Tuscaloosa. Or, like, the Pac-12 is, I think it's in, like, San Francisco. But there's, like, no college team out there near those schools. So that's just another way and how unique we are being that one university that is still with the headquarters for the Big Ten. So, yes, by saying Chicago's Big Ten team, I think that also is a great selling point. But then from a recruiting standpoint, I think it also explains of, like, how the numerous possibilities there are after college. And that's what we talk about the 40 to 50 mm -hmm. years after you're done here. Because you're, you're in a city that's one of the biggest cities in the country and there's so many Fortune 500 companies here that you should be able to find a job after college. So, like, it's just one of those really, really unique places. And especially it's fun while even in college. I mean, but it's even funner when you get a job being young in Chicago, mm -hmm. if you know what I mean, yeah. Greater city, Chicago or Cincinnati? Well, I have to say Cincinnati. Okay, why? Uh, that's home. Skyline? No, it's just a beautiful Queen City. You kidding? I mean, have you ever been to Cincinnati? I have not. I've driven past it. Does yeah, that count? You go in there, it's a beautiful place. Okay. It's, one, it's home. I love it to death. Which is the real Queen City? Charlotte or Cincinnati? Cincinnati. Cincinnati. All right. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I think all of our fans in Charlotte will uh, have a hubbub with that, you know, nope, tweeting at you. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. <laughs> Cincinnati all day. Yeah. This is something, <laughs> um, kind of wrapping this all up because. We're going to have uh, another podcast in the near future where we're talking mm -hmm. a little bit more about the project we've alluded to this entire time. Some fun questions. You're a fun oh guy, gosh. right? Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just starting off, you brought up Hardee's. You're roasting a little bit. Mm. What's your favorite fast food? Like, what's your top five, top three? Well, I mean, like I said, being from Cincinnati, got to say Skyline or Gold Star. And Okay. What's Gold a, Star? It's, it's, a, it's like a, it's a Skyline, but... It's not Skyline, okay? It's Explain. For, it's for certain people, okay? Not everyone <laughs> likes it. It just depends. And the only reason I say Gold Star, just to make it clear, is if I'm at a Bengals game, I'll eat a Coney just to get okay. the feeling in it. But I only eat Gold Star Coney's, and that's only at a Bengals game. Reds game sells Skyline. Eat it anytime. Whenever I go home, the first stop is Skyline. I think every college kid that's from Cincinnati does the same exact thing. So I'd have to say Skyline, you know, up there. Um just for not being near home, I would have to go with Penn Station. Okay. Um, do you know what that is? You know, no. Penn, no? You know Penn? Yeah, okay. <laughs> we got a couple nods. Well, yeah, Penn Station, just because, not necessarily because it's so good, just because of so many childhood memories. There was a Penn Station mm -hmm. right at right down at the bottom of my like street at where I live, and me and my brother would walk down there on some days before cars were invented at our young age. So we'd walk down there, get us some food. Um, another fast food place would be not necessarily fast food, but it would be a place called Crossroads, which is a wing okay. place yeah. on the west side of like the west side by my high school, LaSalle. And every Tuesday, I'd have that for lunch. It was sixty cent wings. Call them up right as soon as I got out of school, 
go straight there and have my order ready and good to go. No matter, even if I played a game, a basketball game that Tuesday, I was eating crossroads, so I'd eat wings. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then, I guess as of lately, I would go with canes. Okay. Yeah, just because I just really like the sauce. I've had the debate with some people from the South, which is better, Canes or Zaxby's. Mm. And I've only had Zaxby's once, so I can't comment much. Right. But I had Canes recently. Yeah. After after we were talking about it recently, mm-hmm. I had to go and get it. So good. I agree on yeah, the sauce take. Sauce is really good. One thing you're don't pretty get, adamant don't about. Don't get lost in the sauce, though. <laughs> not too much sauce? <laughs> yeah. One thing you're pretty adamant about, you're not a big social media guy, right? No. You like to stay away from it. What's What's the inspiration behind that? Just don't like it. <laughs> hey, that's fair. It's a it's a time killer. I mean, time is of the essence to me, and I mm-hmm. need it. And a big part of me is, like, I need my sleep. I love to sleep. So yeah. for me to get eight hours, I can't spend an hour or two on social media a day. So, like, for me personally, I didn't like it. Um, it was cool growing up, though. Like, when I was younger, I thought Facebook was all fun. Mm-hmm. Like, I used to, I still use it, don't get me wrong, but I'm not a big fan of it, especially in today's age. It's, it's really tough. Yeah. So I scared you a little bit when I told you, but we did. We dug through some of your old tweets. Yeah, I don't know if I like this. <laughs> what, and what we, we found. Got, what do we got? What do we got? We found out that you're a big Always Sunny in Philadelphia fan. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what do you yeah. like about the show? What are your thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> really? When was this? Two, when, 2016. 2016. Oh, it's probably freshman year. Okay. Dorm room. Shout out Jack Termonia, Bob. Uh, we would just we would put it on. It's like like background noise, but mm-hmm. you, it's sunny. It's always sunny in Philadelphia, so it's pretty funny. You're gonna get attracted to it. You're gonna watch it over and over. Right. And yeah, we would spend so much time just watching Always Sunny in Philadelphia on whatever it is on a day to day basis. So mm-hmm. yeah. How's that compared to like the offices or like the Parks and Recs or like all all those like very streamable? How I Met Your um, Mother. Yeah. I mean, they're all different in their own unique way. I okay. mean, I'm personally a, a office and Parks and Rec guy. Okay. So Sunny is uh, Always Sunny is definitely a good show for me just because it's like that 20-minute episode that just accidentally being like three hours of just constant shows on and on and on. So those are the dangerous type of shows I like to watch because you don't necessarily have to follow along. Follow along like it's like a Game of Thrones. That's just too much right. for me. Do you watch Game of Thrones? No, it's too much for me. I've watched it first two seasons, I think it was, first season. Mm-hmm. It's just too much. Do you see Aaron Rodgers was on the most recent episode? No, I don't he watch it. He has a great cameo. <laughs> I don't watch it. It was on Twitter. I, I suggest oh, okay. you go watch it. It was a great uh, video. Uh, um, but yeah, also you're missing out. You should watch Thrones. I'm sorry. I mean, it's a plan. <laughs> I, I've talked about it. It's a it long-term a plan. Guys, but yeah. You'll color code it into the calendar. No, <laughs> I'm not do that. Not for Game of Thrones. No. Speaking of pop like, culture, yeah. oh, what were you gonna say? No, you're good. You're yeah, good. yeah, yeah. Speaking of pop culture, you had some fire takes about Pixar. What are mm. your favorite Pixar movies? Dude, that's I mean Pixar, Disney. That's the same. Like that's all right. Disney, same. Pixar, Pixar, D- Disney, Pixar. Um, this is essential. Like this honestly, is our generation, yeah, 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 right? This is our like, generation. You know, since this is our generations, I have to pick a movie from the '90s. Okay. You know, because I am a '90s baby, even though it's a '98. But for my sister's sake, I have to go with Lion King. Um, that's no, that's one of them from a Disney standpoint. A Pixar, I'd have to go with A Bug's Life. Right. And then if you're moving into like the 2000s, um, Wally was a classic. I remember watching it during camp. I don't know why it was such a good movie. Cars. Um, and then I would have to go with Bolt just because it's a dog. Like, Bolt, who, okay. Who doesn't love animals? And then you can go on and on about these movies. <laughs> 
But say like so say if there was like um a movie based off of like history or something like that for Disney it would be like the cool runnings or like a glory road or yeah glory road yeah that's like one of those type of movies that I really like just because it's sports and then obviously more sports would be um Airbud you know a lot of people <laughs> sleep on that one Airbud big Airbud guy big Airbud guy <laughs> I, like, uh, I like dogs you you brought up your sister I forgot High School Musical how did I forget <laughs> <laughs> You brought up your sister. Yeah. This is one thing we were discussing previously. Yeah. If you Google Jeremy Larkin, Mm -hmm. one sibling pops up. It's Jeff Larkin Jr. Yep. So just shouting out to your family here. Yeah. A, they forgot to list your sister. And B, when you Google Jeff Larkin Jr., what comes up is brother of Jeremy Larkin. Yeah. So there's just so much. Any thoughts on that? (laughs) One, I would just like to clarify that, yes, I have a sister. Her name is Jennifer. This is for her. I mean, I'm sure she would love this. And then the second part with being the brother or Jeff being the brother, known for being the brother of Jeremy, is just an all-time classic. Because growing up, going to high school, I was the one that was always known as Jeff little, Jeff's little brother. So the fact that he could be known for being my brother is kind of like a, you know, a, a proud moment for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have a couple yeah. more questions for you before we wrap this thing up. In the last two years, what would you say, what new belief, behavior, or habit mm-hmm. has most improved your life? Last two years. I think my, I would say my mindfulness and just taking mm-hmm. note of things that I do and being conscious on a day-to-day basis. Okay. I think that would be one of them, yeah. Do you keep a journal? Um, yeah, I've got, I write stuff down. I All wouldn't right. say there's in one journal. I probably have about three, but they're, not consistent with how they work though. You don't have like a really embarrassing like journal entry that you would no. hate to go public or yeah, something. No, I don't. We'd yeah. have to like leak that for you. Yeah, no, that's that's <laughs> not a thing. <laughs> yeah, no. On this day, I was very no. I'm not, I don't have one of those. Okay. When you feel overwhelmed or unfocused, mm-hmm. what do you do? Literally, just take a second to stop, mm-hmm. breathe, figure out why am I overwhelmed? What's causing me to be overwhelmed? And Kind of just move on about the, you know, not move on, but kind of just, you know, like kind of process things and kind of figure out how I'm feeling and take a gauge of what's going on. I think that's one of the biggest things. Um, And it also just depends on how much time I have or what's going on in my life. So like say if it's like finals week, I know that I can be overwhelmed from this, but I know as soon as I'm done with that last paper final that I'm going to be on break going to be relaxed it's a great it's feeling be, yeah it's going to be a mental break i'm not going to be focused on whatever it is it's a time for me to recharge just so i can come back ready to go grind and kind of put my head back down in the, mm-hmm. in the sand last question what is one of the best or most worthwhile investments you've ever made what uh <laughs> what do you mean i don't investment in what it could be anything it could be you know buying a book that you love it could be you know time you invest yeah. in something yeah, I'd say time in, in this great sport of football. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, other than any that. Any specific moment. Any specific moment. Or practice, I guess. Yeah. Uh, just every day, just kind of investing my time in the proper use and time management. I say every day is just like living to the fullest. So I would say mm-hmm. my investment in whatever it is that I'm doing in life has been the greatest payoff over this entire time. Yeah. Nunc copy. Have you ever heard mm-hmm. that Latin phrase? No, I can't speak Latin. It's dead language. (laughs) Now I begin. 
It's Canadian. actually Philip okay. Rivers always has his own like branded Nunk yeah. Kopi merch. Really? Um, oh, I didn't know that. The reason you haven't heard of it is because Philip Rivers is like not a big social media guy. Or anything. I can imagine he's got eight kids. Nine, the ninth one's on the way, right? Am I right? Yeah, you know, as a diehard Chargers fan, I just have this sinking feeling that Philip Rivers will go down in history as the guy with all the kids. Like, that'll be it. You know? Yeah, no, no. <laughs> He's a great quarterback. They're going to figure it out. Yeah. Definitely got the right team now with Justin and Melvin Gordon there. And then, obviously, mm. it's Philip Rivers. Like, you know, it's something's got to Don't forget happen. Big Ten guy, Joey Bosa. Joey Bosa. Derwin there. James. Yeah, there's Derwin James. There's a ton of guys. That team's going to be good. I mean, so I, I'm rooting for you. Oh. Let's yeah, go. As of lately, I'm switching to the Bengals, though. So, <laughs> Wrapping this whole thing up, can you tell us about your project? What are you working on with Power Blue Media? Oh, I've got a podcast coming. That's about okay. it. Okay. Yeah. That's about it. Um, sorry. So got to keep hydrated. Sorry. Unprofessional. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I'm putting I'm putting together an unprofessional podcast. Let's put it that way. Okay. I am a student athlete. I can't really put something too professional because the NCAA doesn't allow me. So... It's kind of what's in the works right now. Yeah. No, absolutely. And <laughs> we'll be here right along for the ride. Um, anything to plug? Anything you want to mention before we wrap this thing up? No, I'm not really sure. Yeah. No, I think I'm top, <laughs> top of my head. No, I've got nothing to plug right now. All maybe right. maybe later. Maybe next We'll be time. back. Yeah, we'll, we'll be, be back, back in a couple of weeks. For now, you can follow Jeremy at deuce underscore yeah. eight on Twitter. He probably won't check it. Uh, <laughs> Oh, dude, you've got an Instagram. Oh, and Instagram? Is it deuce underscore eight? Yes, same Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, just a give brand, him, it's a brand. Give them all the follows. But um, yeah, thanks for coming on, Jeremy. Oh, thanks for having me. It was a great time. All right, Game of Thrones talk. We would be remiss in not addressing the cultural phenomena as it nears its final episode, episode, episode of its eight-season run, I'm bringing on Game of Thrones superfan Cameron Peters. Cameron, how you doing? I am doing great. Uh, that's me, Game of Thrones superfan. I have lots of feelings, and yeah. That's, that's, I also want to address that, too, because I was wondering, you asked me, how am I going to bring you in? And like, would you describe yourself as a Game of Thrones superfan? Because like, you've obviously read the books. Are you one of these people I'll be like, I've read them 12 times over, front to back, every single like samarillion-esque backup you know canon you know no i'm not that level of fan okay. i am that level of fan with the actual silmarillion but <laughs> the game of thrones books maybe or the um song of ice and fire books maybe twice ah so. boo that's lame i've only read them once <laughs> one day i'm gonna read the first three again i think the first fourth three. and fifth are just like yeah uh, but you might have to read the fourth and fifth to get ready for a six and seven if those ever come out so tba if, and if, that if if that's part of what we'll be talking about because Let's be real. Game of Thrones is most enjoyable watching with other people, right? Yes, absolutely. It's it's awesome watching it unfold, and you go on Twitter and just see the world explode. Um, We've been watching this current season since the first episode, and we've had a lot of thoughts, and honestly, I think we may like it more than the internet, but I I just want to approach that topic because the internet has been giving Benioff and Weiss a lot of hate. And I just want to address that because I'm not saying this season's my favorite. I'm not saying I agree with all the storytelling choices. But there's something to be said for the defense of Benioff and Weiss that they're ending it the way they want to. They're going out on their own terms. I mean, just just to start off, though, like, is this all Martin's fault for not finishing the books in time? 
it's not all his fault, but I think <laughs> a lot of it is. I mean, that's part of what made the first few seasons so great. We had a lot of Martin's dialogue mm-hmm. put directly into the show. Um, I mean, he's a great author, and that really made the characters um, feel really deep and complex and well-explained, which I think is a lot of people's gripe with this season. They feel like um, character development's just being really rushed along, um, like... Daenerys, for example, was kind of railroaded into her uh, Mad Queen plot from the latest episode. So I think uh, if Martin had finished the books, that would have helped a lot. I'm pretty sure we know that he told uh, Benioff and Weiss how this ended, but I don't think he told them anything between the end of book five and the ending. So they're a little bit in the dark here, and I think that does show. And I Mm -hmm. think if Martin had finished the books, it'd be definitely different, probably a bit better. But I respect what Benioff and Weiss are doing, trying to to land this huge plane seven seasons in Mm -hmm. and pull all these really complex plot lines together. I mean, yeah, just going off that point. So this is why I always come back to with the TV show, right? Because I'm a huge fan of the books. Like I first read them and fell in love with the story in like 2013. Um, again, one of those assholes that will comment on, I read the books, you know, there's that elitist kind of asshole to be (laughs) as they go. I still know how to read now, but, um, (laughs) but like, I fell in love with that story and that plot and the characters and the multiple threading, you know, that's what drew me in. And that was the bread and butter of the show in the early goings, because they were basing it off of Martin's, uh, off of Martin's story, uh, his style, right. And his substance. But like in going away from this, the last couple of seasons in going for spectacle, somewhat over substance to a degree you know season seven the big mainstream criticism they jumped around the timelines didn't make much sense is is this a bad thing per se for me i don't think it is i think it's really different being a book reader and not a book reader for me i kind of enjoy the spectacle i get to see all of the um i get to see the world of game of thrones that george r, r. martin builds in his books really brought to life and that's a really nice compliment to all the deep, intricate, complex uh, interpersonal character relationships that Martin builds. But I can see for how, uh, for a non-book reader, you're kind of, you're, you're, you feel like you're losing what you fell in love with, um, with the series in, um, in the first place. So I'm of two minds on it, but I've kind of enjoyed some of the, the bigger flashier bits of the last few episodes. Right. And it comes back to though, I think I read that Martin, like Weiss and Benioff the last couple of seasons, they had like, two days over uh like you know whatever period they were writing the scripts where they would have a conference call and talk about like storytelling decisions and like so martin had his say in it but he wasn't like as hands-on as jk rowling was say with the harry potter movies so the the question is as if they keep straying away from you know what he the way he may have done it as he keeps groveling as eats another hamburger um like my problem with it all is like, let's say he does finish the books. Like, should I care? Like, like what's canon at that point? Is, is the sh- which is the story? Is it the show? Is it the books? Like, I just don't think they can live on as their own separate entities. You know, because the early seasons were so married and in tune with the books. Yeah, I I think if and this is a huge huge if if George R. R. Martin finishes the books, the books are canon. They came first. They've been around for were edging up on 25 years now, I think, 26 mm-hmm. years, the books are canon. But, huge if, I would not be surprised if we never saw another book in the series. I don't know if Martin has his ending all the way planned out. Um, he might have a, an end, but I don't know if he knows how to get there from where we are in book five. So I'm perfectly happy accepting what we have in the show as canon until such a point as Martin gets his shit together. 
Because my whole thing is like, what if R plus L equals J isn't even a thing in the books, you know? Yeah, like, that would be a twist. I mean, you know, but like, I mean, if he didn't even have the ending planned out, like, what if he just changes it just to subvert the show, you know? Because like, I think he said, or it's been said, like, he, the the show was coming to conclusions that are hinted at in the books all the time, right? But just because they're hinted doesn't mean they were true. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's been a lot of different plot threads that have been hinted, and then they've run off in different directions. Just because it's hinted doesn't mean that's the only thing that's hinted at or the absolute possibility. Um, I do think in broad strokes, though, we're seeing the same endings playing out in the show and what will play out, hopefully, eventually, in a book we get to read. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's a lot of room for deviation kind of on the, the smaller level of detail. I mean, just look at uh, Lady Stoneheart. We haven't seen anything of her in the show. She's not going to make an appearance. Um, Aegon Targaryen, the non-John version. Young Griff. Uh, yeah, Young Griff. Um, we obviously haven't seen any of him in the show. He's not a character. So characters like those are going to mean there's inevitably going to be some, some difference between the two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then moving on from that, I mean, just looking specifically at the show, one of the main criticisms has been Benioff and Weiss, you know, they want to go do other things and they're just rushing to finish it. But, um, and the whole argument is HBO has all this money. They could very well have made it like 10 seasons and taken the time to tell the story. But like, is that really realistic? Like, is it, should they have like, you know, gone on for 10 seasons for the sake of like finishing the story the way it should have? Because like, I kind of come back to, and this was kind of like the last point I wanted to make, but I'll bring it in. Like, just with online hater culture, is there any way this last episode can please the masses? Like, like, is there any way, like right now season eight is just already botched, right? But like, who's to say you do 10 seasons, everyone will be happy with the ending. Like, I don't know if like uh, Game of Thrones is too big, the opposite of too big to fail. It's too big to succeed in that regard. I mean, like Breaking Bad made an ending that most people agreed with and liked, but like how many properties haven't, you know? And personally, even I didn't even like the Breaking Bad ending. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I think Breaking Bad benefited from being a relatively narrow story. I mean, right. it really was centered on one person and his rise and fall as a character. And that's just impossible on Game of Thrones. I mean, Martin's built a world. And I really do think you're right. It's too big to resolve in a way that everyone is going to like. So 10 seasons would have been different. I don't think it would have been any better. I'm... I'm going to miss having Game of Thrones. I'm going to miss being able to sit down and watch it every Sunday night. But I think overall, I'm glad they're ending it at eight seasons because there's nothing worse than seeing a show drag on past when it should have. Right. And I don't know if I... Peyton Manning. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And I don't know if I trust... As much as I like Benioff and Weiss, I don't know if I trust them to run with these characters that Martin built and Martin understands. And I'm not sure they understand quite as well for another three seasons. I think ending it in some spectacle and some... Uh, some flash is kind of the way to go. Yeah, and I just like kind of critique this whole mainstream. I'm critiquing the criticism the, that like Daenerys's uh, heel turn was too quick and um, it wasn't justified and it should have been more fleshed out. Like, I don't know. Like, I go back and forth on it because like I get it. Like, she's has proven to be a good person, but like then this is the same person that said she was going to take stuff with fire and blood and then she took something with fire and blood and everyone's like, the fuck? You know, like me watching it, we were watching, we were like horrified, yeah. but like she's a I Targaryen. Mean, like, Yeah, I mean, the last episode was full stop horrific. It was, and I think it was meant to be, it was meant to really drive home how terrible the war was. But as much as I like 
like liked Daenerys. I don't know if I can still say I like her after that, but <laughs> um, and as much as I w- wish her character to be on a different way, yeah, you can't really say we didn't see it coming. Her motto is fire and blood. You've had seven seasons of her saying things like um, uh, return their cities to the dirt when she was talking about uh, um, Marine and the other slave cities in Essos. Uh, she crucified a whole bunch of masters. She's burnt people alive. She's been pretty dark for a while now. So I think there was a chance she could have gone in a different direction, but I don't fault Benioff and Weiss too much for the Mad Queen pivot. Um, though, it, comes, it comes back to, though, I guess, like, the criticism is also stemming from, like, how last season she was all, like, I don't want to be Queen of the Ashes, right? Like, that's what I keep seeing online. The fact that she said that so recently. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important, though, to remember that she didn't say that first. Tyrion said that first. Mm-hmm. It, she was ready to burn the Red Keep to the ground like she has been at, like, four different points now. <laughs> and she could have done it. She had three dragons. They had no scorpions. She could have burnt just the Red Keep to the ground, and she would have won. It would have been nice and simple and easy for her. Tyrion told her she doesn't want to be Queen of the Ashes. She repeated that line to Elena Tyrell. So... That's her listening to Tyrion, which we know she's soured on this season. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a lot of it was she's really, really frustrated. People have been telling her not to burn the Red Keep to the ground or, I guess, indulge her baser instincts for a while now. And if she had, things probably would have worked out a lot better for her, for Masande, for Jorah, for the dragons. So her frustration is a little bit understandable, even if you probably shouldn't let it out by murdering civilians. <laughs> Geneva does not like that. Yeah, no, and I know we're talking about this. Not a fan. <laughs> I know we were talking about this before the podcast, but it's just like, like going back to that point about the ten seasons. Like, who's to say that's even possible? Keeping this crew together, keeping. I think there was a trailer for like the Game of Thrones documentary that's coming out after the week after the last episode, where there's this one woman saying like, "I don't know how I physically could have put more time and passion into this." It was like some line along that, and it's like. You, not only the cast members, the stars blowing up with this, but think about the amount of times these people have spent away from their families, like going across the world. Because like they made six movies, you know, they made six feature-length movies of, sorry, six, yeah, six yeah, for this six, season, yeah, and you know, in a year and a half, and we were mad that it took a year and a half to make. But then you think about all the time that goes into this, and like the small army creating this thing. Actually, it's like probably a bigger and stronger army. army than the golden army <laughs> the yeah, golden, golden company the golden company yeah i mean that's absolutely fair they're shooting in croatia they're shooting in i think ireland and in iceland mm-hmm. those are three pretty out of the way locations um i mean it's arguably not feasible to keep dragging a probably one of the biggest cast ever to work on a tv show biggest cast and crew ever to work on a tv show around for three more seasons um so i think that's just another another point in favor of ending it and making it a the ending that Benioff and Weiss want and not the ending they're forced to work with because they're losing stars or crew Mm -hmm. or just public interest even. Yeah, I mean, like, and also, like, you know, the the actors and actresses are getting old. Like, Maisie Williams and Sophie Turner, they're, like, in other projects. They're not 14 anymore, you know? Um, To, to, you know, what you're alluding to, making the ending they want. What's the ending you want to wrap this whole thing up? We have one more episode left. What do you want to see happen at this point? Oh, God. I'm too much of a Lord of the Rings fan to make good Game of Thrones ending predictions. I always want things to work out happily and uh, sunshine and daisies. So anything I predict is probably going to be wrong. But at this point, I 
I wanted Daenerys to have a better, not a better ending. I wanted Daenerys to have a different ending, but I don't think she can at this point. Mm-hmm. I think she's not going to survive the last episode. I don't think so either. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I want to see as many characters as I, as possible at this point, though, be happy. I want to see Davos survive because he's <laughs> the he, best. He deserves to see his yeah, wife. Yeah, exactly. Right? He survived against what all What if his wife's like Helen seven. Mirren or something? Like, <laughs> he would deserve that. <laughs> Davos, and, like, yeah. retires to a cottage. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's going to be hard for a lot of these characters to have happy endings. I mean, Jamie or not Jamie, Tyrion just saw the last of his family killed by the queen mm. he was uh, sworn to serve. But I think my best case scenario is relatively little bloodshed. Daenerys, I think, unfortunately, just has to die for plot reasons, but I'm not ex- exactly happy with it. Mm-hmm. And we're going to get a... Maybe a semi-democratic Westeros with uh, less Iron Throne. I mean, if nothing else, you can pretty fairly say Danny did break the wheel and then <laughs> burn it to ashes after that. So <laughs> maybe we will get a better Westeros in the end, despite all of the the fire and blood that, uh, yeah, that ensued. Yeah, I, I I don't know what I want. What I said this while we were watching the last episode. I'm not sure if it's Daenerys who dies. I'm leaning towards that, but I think either Daenerys or Jon dies, and it like either Daenerys dies kind of a tragic hero death, or Jon dies and it convinces Daenerys to do good. Like it, it's something along those lines. And I have a hard time seeing the latter happening, but I still think it's viable because I come back to like I just didn't think Jon would survive the show personally. Yeah, I really agree with that. I really agree with that. When we were talking before last episode, I just. I want I want Danny to be a good guy, but I have a really hard time seeing her come back from this. I mean, maybe it's I mean it's gonna fuck her up mentally, and that's gonna be like the the price she pays for this, and she's gonna be a a, a better or a different ruler because of her experience. Um, John dying and kind of showing her the way back to being a good ruler, but it's gonna be really really hard. I don't know if there's a a path back to the light for Danny at this point, and I think that kind of by process of elimination means. She's got to die, and John's got to make it. But of course, it says Game of Thrones, and uh, sometimes the bad guys win. So who knows? I have a hard time thinking it ends with the bad guys. I don't know. I keep going back and forth on it. But hey, we'll be watching Sunday night along with you all. Thanks for coming on, Cameron. Absolutely. Uh, to follow him more, all of his political reporting mostly. Yeah, loves- lots of lots of politics. A little bit of Game of Thrones thrown in for fun. Sometimes the intersection of Game of Thrones and politics. Hey, you, you love we, you we love spice your niche it up. nerd cultures, right? I do. Just like the rest of us, right? You can follow him at J Cameron Peters on Twitter. Thanks so much for yep. coming on, Cameron. Absolutely. Thanks, Nate. That's it. That's our show. For more great content from the Unplugged team, you can follow us on Twitter at Unplugged. That's U N P L U G G underscore D. To check out my random thoughts, musings, and sometimes something that occasionally resembles a good joke. Follow me at ByNHL. And hey, until next week, see ya.